Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence. We thank you for your will. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your will would be done in this house. Father, we know that you're here. And we know, Lord God, that you desire to do your perfect work in this place. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for breakthrough. I pray for healing. I pray for deliverance. I pray for miracles to happen in this place today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, Lord, that you would move in this house and out of this house, fill souls with the Holy Ghost. Lord, wash away sins, Lord. In the name of Jesus, restore the backslider, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, for healing to take place, Lord, in this house, Lord, that while we're worshiping, while we're hearing, while we are obeying, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would open up eyes. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would open up ears. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that while we're ministering, Lord, miracles just begin to happen. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your will. In the name of Jesus tonight, Lord, this morning, Lord, I'm praying, God, for a breakthrough in this place. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm praying, Lord God, for a mighty breakthrough in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, worship the Lord. In the book of Genesis chapter 2. The book of Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will help, I will make him a help me for him. You can be seated. And the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help for him. And out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones 
and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Over a six-day span, you see God working. I know that there are those that have their persuasion saying that because one day with the Lord is like a thousand years. There are those that assume that it took God 6,000 of our days each day or 6,000 um, one day with the Lord is like a thousand years so 6,000 years to create earth but can I tell you that's poor judgment I believe that when God created each day, he wasn't creating it as if it was his day, but he was creating it in our day. The Bible declares that he is the beginning and he is the end. Time as you know it, began with creation. We're not talking about eternity. We're talking about time. And even though there are those that believe that, I believe that their intent in doing that, or whoever was the one that came up with that position, was one that could not understand how great God was and to assume that it would take 6,000 years for God to create the things that you see and the things that you don't see does not add to God but it actually subtracts from the power and the wisdom of God. Sometimes when we're dealing with one that we don't understand, it is the approach of many to try to make something much bigger, much smaller. But can I tell you that God said that my ways are not your ways said, my thoughts are much higher than your thoughts. I've come to the conclusion that no man can figure out God. 
But one thing that can happen is that through relationship and obedience, God can reveal himself to you. I had a young man ask me last night, he said, Brother Hurt, he said, when it comes down to prophecy, he said, how is it or how, how does it work? How do you hear God? I said, I learned the voice of God and God speaks to me through obedience. I don't listen for the sake of prophesying. I don't listen for the sake of ministry. I listen for the sake of obedience. I'm looking for direction. Like I spoke to you a couple of months ago. When I came to God, I had a dream. And in the dream, a voice spoke and they said, and the voice said, can I help you? And I said, I'm trying to find God. Can I tell you that even after you are apprehended of him, you still must apprehend him. It is possible to be apprehended of God and fail to apprehend him. But nevertheless, we understand that God created the things that you see within a six-day span. And I've learned that if you're patient and you wait on God, you will begin to see God's perfect plan and perfect will come together. How many of us in this room have become frustrated because God began to do a work and we did not understand the work that he was doing. And we became an impatient because we have an assumption that we feel as though we know the direction that God is taking. Is anybody in this room this morning ever assumed that you knew what God was doing. And then all of a sudden, God throws something in and right when you think you've got it figured out, he does something that actually causes your mind to begin to crash. I've learned not to try to just figure God out. I've learned to try to trust him. Job said, the Lord knows the way that I take. Job had problems as long as he was trying to figure out why he had problems. But his problems began to cease when he trusted the one that knew how to get him out of the problem. You trusting God is more important than you figuring out God. So the Bible declares that God takes 
a six-day period. He rests on the seventh day. And on this six-day span, God is doing a work that by the time it is over with, all of a sudden, God takes the dust of the earth and he forms a man. And the Bible says that God breathed into the nostrils of this man and man became a living soul. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. The latter end is always greater than the beginning. Oftentimes the church assumes that the best days of the church are in the book of Acts. But can I tell you that the principle of the latter end being greater than the beginning is a principle that will transcend any generation. It's applicable to every situation. Can I tell you that though things may look darker, the kingdom is even brighter. The Bible lets us know that God begins to do work and that by the time the man is formed, everything that that man is needed, everything that that man needs has already been made. If there is someone in this room today that would just realize that your needs are in front of you, that whatever it is that you're needing, God has already made a way. I'm reminded in scripture, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I remember when I met my wife and the pastor and I was wanting to get married. And the pastor, her pastor, wanted to know, where do I live? He wanted to know if I had made preparation. Why? Because he did not want to allow Sister Natasha to be sent off somewhere to a place that wasn't prepared. See, when I got married to Natasha, she was not going to move into the basement of mom's house. And can I tell you young ladies in this room today, God would never send you to a man that's not ready. And it's not your job to get him ready. I know how some of you are. 
you're going to mess around and you're going to end up being his mama. But the Bible declares that God said, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. See, the thing is, Jesus would never put you in to a situation without preparation. There's nothing that is going on right now in this world that God isn't prepared to handle. Your needs, the solution is already made before you get here. What are you saying? The provision is already provided before the need comes. The provision is already here before you come. The Lord spends six days and the first five days he spends making the provision to sustain the vision. That by the time the man shows up, he just sees things. He sees life. He sees creation. But God has created everything for this man as a means of sustaining and providing everything for this man. But the man did not have a relationship with the things. The man had the relationship with the one that created all things. If you could just separate your heart from the things that you see and allow your heart to gravitate towards the one that created the things that you don't see, something will happen. Five days. God is working. He's working before you knew what work was. Some of us don't realize the groundwork that God did before we arrived to Sunday. Some of you are not aware of the groundwork that has already been laid before you even step in the Monday. And oftentimes people are fearful because they're trying to figure out how tomorrow's going to happen. I reminded in the scripture. He said, think not on the things of tomorrow, but let tomorrow think for itself.
God would never bring you into a tomorrow that he has not prepared for you. So that being said, the scripture declares that God comes to the sixth day. And when he does, he creates man, forms man from the dust of the earth. And tells the man to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion in the earth. Can I tell you, just because you come first don't mean you're first. But it's amazing what happens when you're last. The Lord tells the man, he says, I want you to subdue everything that you see around you. I want you to have dominion over everything that you see around you. I don't know what you woke up with this morning. I don't know what you woke up to this morning. But can I tell you that God wants to bring everything under your feet. It is amazing that even though God allowed, even though God created all these things, he let an enemy stay in the garden. Now, When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they were separated from the garden. They were removed from the garden because of their decision. But it's amazing. When Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning, he didn't say we did. He didn't say they did. He said, I beheld Satan as lightning casting him for the face of the earth. It is amazing that the very one that cast Satan before the face of the earth did not remove him, did not. If, if, if Adam and Eve were removed from the garden after sinning against God, why would God place that serpent in the garden instead of placing him in the same place that he removed the people from the garden to? You would have thought that God would have taken that serpent and if he was going to leave him in the earth, put him far away from the garden. 
It's amazing how the one that begins the war in heaven and creates chaos in the earth, he knew his potential. But sometimes God will let the problem stand in the middle of the relationship. Sometimes God will let the problem stand in the middle of the purpose. Sometimes God will let the problem stand right there in the middle of the promise. Can I tell you that the serpent was only relevant when man started listening to the wrong voice. The only thing the serpent could do was lie. The only thing the serpent could do is entice. The only thing the serpent could do was speak. But dominion was not given to the serpent. He could speak all he wanted to. But he couldn't change not one thing. Even though Lucifer, Satan, that serpent, was here before the man was, and possibly here before the earth was. Even though that serpent, even though Lucifer was here before any of this stuff was, That still did not make man insignificant or powerless. Can I tell you that the tenure of your adversary is not greater than the promise or the purpose or the identity or the word that God has spoken to you on the inside of you? The only thing you can do is trust God. You got to trust what he has spoken when you can't feel what he has spoken. You got to trust what he has spoken when you cannot see what he has spoken. See, the thing is, Adam couldn't see God. Eve couldn't see God. But they could see that tree. And they could see that serpent. Sometimes your adversary can manifest himself in a way that he could be seen. And he will play off of your flesh, your human emotion, your carnal mind, and entice you in a way to convince you 
to go after the very thing that God said. You ain't got to touch that. Can I tell you that just because the enemy can touch you doesn't mean that you have to touch it. Just because the enemy can speak to you doesn't mean you have to taste it. Just because the enemy provides a thought doesn't mean you have to embrace it. Because the needs that you may have, God does not make the provision after you're made. But God makes the provision before you're made. That's why I am convinced the Bible says, ask for the old path. And walk therein. You don't need a new path. You don't need a new way. As for the old one. Why? Because God would never put you here. And tell you. To make your own provision. There are those that are in this room that you spend your life stressing, depressed, worried, weary, trying to figure out how you're going to make this work. It's not about how you're going to make it work. It's about how this is working for your good. The Bible says all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them that are called according to his purpose. Creation was working for man. God never intended for man to work for creation. The adversary wanted man to work. That's why when man sinned against God, he told him, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. The scripture declares that when God takes this man, God takes this man and develops a relationship with him. Why? Because God, even though he's provided these things for you, he has not given you the provision with the mindset that there's no relationship. 
Provision is not a replacement for God. Provision is not a replacement for relationship. God tells you that I'm going to provide some food. You don't turn around and say, thank you, Lord, and begin to serve food and not serve God. See, the thing was God made the food for the man. But God made the man for relationship with God. The provision that God has made for you before you got here was made to sustain you so that you can have an even, it will enhance your ability to have a relationship with him. I'm reminded in Corinthians, the Bible says that the married man careth for the things of this world and how he may please his wife. You've got to understand that God has made provision for you not as a replacement but as an enhancement it is to strengthen you it is to help you it is to perfect you but never to replace him As man was a good steward over the things that God had given him. God said, it's not good that man be alone. Can I tell you that it is possible to have a relationship with God and something still feels like something's missing. You don't reject God to build what you want. But you accept God and you let him build what he wants. You don't reject God and make your own way. But you accept the will and the plan of God for your life and let him have his way. Adam, God brings the beast of the field. Why? Because if Adam can be consistent, every time God shows up, And he can be consistent in his relationship and his devotion to God. Then when God brings these beasts in the field to him and he speaks to them, he's going to speak just like the mind of God. 
You want the mind of God, you need a relationship with him. See, the thing was, the serpent had no power over the man as long as the man let God have power over him. The serpent had no power over the man as long as God was, as long as man was submitted to the God that created the serpent and the God that created the man. Can I tell you that if you're going to fight this fight, you got to be submitted to God. You can't replace God with creation. What do you mean? You can't serve the creature, the creature, and despise the creator. But you must serve the creator. Even if it caused you suffering of the creature. Adam's relationship puts him in a position that God says, all right, we're going to go to the next place. You want to go to the next place? You want to go to the next level? You need to be at that next spot that God meets you at in the morning. See, I remember a while back I decided I went to bed late. I might have stayed out late with the preacher. And I didn't feel like getting up to pray at that time. And I woke up and I said, I'll pray later, going back to sleep. And about a half an hour, 15 minutes to a half an hour later, I heard an audible voice speak and call my name. Letting me realize that the time period that I thought that I set aside and planned to meet God was actually the time period that God assigned. And that he looked at that moment as an appointment that was set in the books. Can I tell you that if you're going to do this thing right, you've got to make sure that you're faithful with your appointments with God. The Bible declares it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Can I tell you that if you're going to make that appointment, and you'd be right. You need to be consistent in making those 
daily appointments when Jesus shows up. He said, them that seek the Lord early shall be found of him. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? I can't go to breakfast with you at that time. I got an appointment with the master. I got to go to bed early tonight because I got to get up. I've got an appointment with the master. Sorry, kids. Got to turn the Xbox off. Got an appointment with the master. What God is going to do in your life will be centered around you making your appointments. If you're not faithful with the appointment, you're only going to delay the purpose and the plan of God for your life. See, God made man in the image and the likeness of God. Six days, seventh day, Jesus, God rested. But when you get to Acts, I mean Acts, when you get to Genesis 2, says that the heavens and the earth were finished. Then when you drop down to the 18th verse, it says that God said that man, it's not good for man to be alone. Just because God says that everything is the earth, the creation is finished, doesn't mean that he's done with you. Just because God says that everything is finished doesn't mean that there's still not work in you to do. God has finished the work around you. But God's getting ready to begin a work in you. God has finished a work around you. But now God is going to do a work through you. But in order for this work to begin, you've got to be consistent in your devotion, in your relationship with God. God brings the beast to Adam. You know why? Because listen, if you're not faithful when God presents himself to you, then how are you going to be faithful when God presents something else to you? When God would come and show himself and reveal himself and communicate with this man, something about intimacy with God 
that begins to reveal to you the heartbeat of God. I'm convinced that if God would have presented beasts in the field to the man before he presented himself, man would have served beasts instead of serving God. God has to be first in your life. Before you communicate with anybody, you need to communicate with God. Before you communicate with anything in this world, you must communicate with God. God must be the first one you talk to, and God must be the last one you talk to. Because how you deal with God will determine what you do with something that's not God. How you handle God will determine how you handle anything that's not God. And if you don't handle God the right way, then you'll make a God out of anything. God takes the beast, presenting them before the man, and man says, kangaroo, hippopotamus, giraffe, donkey. Now, that's the southern. He wasn't from Mississippi. <laughs> donkey. A donkey. <laughs> Monkey. Zebra. Horse. When my wife and I had a son, they brought us a birth certificate and they asked us, what his name would be. Whoever signs the birth certificate, whoever gives the name has the authority. My son didn't name himself. He did not have the authority to name himself. There's some of us in this room that you're wanting God to name things that he's given you the authority to name. Man did not say, Lord, you do it. Man saw the Lord bring it to him. And the Lord said, man, you do this. I have a question. Hold on. I have a question. Are you being I 
Is what you naming or is something identifying you that you're supposed to give identity to? Are you listening when you should be speaking? Are you taking something that is inferior and letting it speak to you? Or are you speaking to the thing that was inferior? Listen. Where did that serpent get his name from? He got it from Adam. When every beast of the field and every animal that was in the field came before Adam, that serpent had to come right along with it. And Adam said, didn't, didn't say God said, Adam said, serpent. What do you mean? Not only does God have authority over what he kicked out of heaven, but God has given man authority over what he has cast into the earth. Though man got here after the serpent got here, God gave man authority. Why? Because the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Can I tell you, why are you intimidated of the wisdom of your enemy? No weapon. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Because in order for it to prosper, you must first uproot the foundation. Bible says that God takes this man and it says, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl there and brought them unto Adam to see. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. You say, Brother Hurd, I feel like I'm surrounded. Why are these beasts coming to me? Why are these things coming to me? The Lord says, I brought them to you to see what you would call them. 
this uncircumcised Philistine. What are you going to call him? Are you going to call him by what he calls you? Or are you going to call him by the power and the authority that God has given you to call it? What are you going to call him? You're going to call him big or you're going to call him a giant? Are you going to speak from your relationship with God? You're not going to call him after his stature, but you're going to call him based upon the holiness of God. And when you recognize that you are in covenant with God, you can speak and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who are you? We must speak from covenant and not speak from sight. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. You must speak from the covenant and not speak from what you see. If you speak from what you see, the adversary can intimidate you by what you can see. Adam was not the biggest thing in creation when it comes down to stature, but when it comes down to identity, when it comes down to purpose, when it comes down to image, I don't care how big it is on the outside, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You must speak from the position of God's greatness instead of speaking from the position of your adversary's stature. Somebody needs to magnify God right now. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Come on, come on. When you speak from the position of his greatness, when you speak from the position of an exalted God, when you speak from the position of an exalted Lord, can I tell you that that giant was no match for a man that exalts the name of the Lord? When the Lord is big in your heart, uh, you're not intimidated by what you see. Uh, when the Lord is big in your mind, uh, you can speak to anything that looks like it's bigger than you. Why? Because when God is magnified, uh, you see giants by the covenant. Oh. Adam they brought him to them to see I want to see what you're going to call this Adam 
sometimes as a father. I, I let my son allow things, uh, you know, you, 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 you impart, you teach, you spend time and you want them to get what you've got. So sometimes you will allow something to come before them because you want to see how they're going to handle this. I want to see what you're going to do or what's been imparted to you. You can't respond like the rest of creation because you're not like the rest of creation. You're like the creator that created the creation. Your image, your identity does not come from the creation. But your image and your identity comes from the creator. God brings these things to Adam to see if he would respond like his creator. Adam didn't turn around and jump like a kangaroo. A ribbit like a frog, a moo like a cow. But he opened up his mouth like God and he spoke. You can either look or you can speak. You can either mimic or you can speak. I'm telling you, if God brings it before you, say something. What are you going to call it? You're going to call this the end of you? You're going to call this your destruction? I'm going to call it like God has given me the authority to call it. This is a stepping stone. This is a footstool. This is a small thing. It's not a great thing. This is a small thing. You got to learn how to call it like it is. You don't call it the way you see it. You call it the way you hear it. You call it based upon the Lord speaking to you. So then God takes Adam and he called every living creature that was the name thereof. God gave them all, and Adam gave them all names. Can I tell you that there is not one thing in this earth that you can't name? Listen, when you bear the name of the Lord, your name is superior to any name than anything in this world. 
You might have given your child a name. You might have given the beast in the field a name. But the Bible says that God has given Christ a name. He's given him a name that is above every name. That at that name, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus is Lord. No name greater than the name of Jesus. If Adam was able to name the serpent, serpent, and his name, the first Adam's name was Adam, how much more authority do you think would happen when God calls you by his name? And you begin to speak by the authority not of the first Adam, but as you begin to speak by the authority of the second Adam. Can I tell you that every beast in the field was subject to Adam? And can I tell you, church, that there's not one name in this world right now, there is not one spirit that is in this world right now that is not subject to the name of Jesus. Uh, and if you would walk in the name of Jesus, uh, if you would talk in the name of Jesus, uh, if you would confront in the name of Jesus, uh, he said, whatever you do, do it in my name. Uh, can I tell you uh, that cancer is not a name greater than the name of Jesus. Uh, sickness is not a name greater than the name of Jesus. Uh, diabetes is not a name greater than the name of Jesus. Uh, what are you going to call it? Uh, whatever you call it, uh, you can't call it anything greater than the name that is above all names. Go ahead and bless his name for a moment. Come on, we ain't going to talk about the name and not bless it. Come on, we're not going to talk about the name and not bless the name. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Come on, you want to magnify the Lord? You got to exalt his name. You can't magnify the Lord and keep his name small. You can't magnify the Lord and keep his name little. But something happens when you magnify the name. Something happens when you exalt that name. Something happens when you lift up the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.
You've got power with God. You speak from the position of his greatness. You stand from the position of relationship. Come on, you stand from the position of covenant. Come on, when you speak, you speak uh, from the position of the covenant. Uh, come on, you speak from the position of his identity. Uh, you speak, you speak from the position of the name that he has put upon you. You've got authority with God. Sometimes things will want you to call it big. But God lets it come before you to see if you'll call it small. Sometimes things will come. And it will want you to call it your demise or your destruction. God said, I want you to speak from the position of victory. You don't call your enemy what your enemy calls himself. You call your enemy what God has put in you to call. Something happens when you call his name. God brings them all. He says, all right. I see how you're going to do this. You're doing right, son. Sometimes you can have a, you ever received a prophetic word, Brother McGurk? You ever received the word, Brother Stalin, from God? God's talking about, I got greatness in you. I got a plan for your life. If you don't call, be seated. In order for Adam to advance, he had to be willing to call it the right thing. He spoke 
from position and from relationship with God. Your relationship with God will determine how you call things. It will determine how you see things. I've learned to trust what I hear more than what I see. Adam calls it like he hears it. God says, all right. You've done good. You're calling it the way you hear it. Now I'm going to let you see what I told you. It's amazing that God has already made everything, all the provision that man needs is already there. And though the earth is finished, and though the heaven is finished, there's a work that's beginning in the man. And it's not finished. God turns around. He takes this man. And the Bible says, Adam was there and was not found to help meet for him. What God wants to do is going to require help. Your purpose can't be fulfilled without help. God had a plan. He takes man. The Bible says he calls the deep sleep to fall upon him. The road to greatness was as oftentimes paved with being able to rest in the hands of God. The Bible says God calls the deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept see when you sleep when you are it's one thing when you're sleeping out of the will of God but when you're resting in the will of God there's something that Adam needs but he'll never get it stressing off of what he needs. He's got to learn how to go to sleep knowing that there's still something missing. There are people in this room you're trying to make something happen. It's never going to happen with you doing it. It only happens when God does it. 
He needs you to rest. There's some people in this room this morning that God's going to cause peace to come upon you. You're going to enter into his rest. I'm going to quit stressing over this. I'm going to quit stressing over that. I'm obedient to God. See, some assume that I passed that test, but but I still don't there's still something else. The Lord spoke to me just a few seconds ago and he said that there were some of you that were here in the last revival a couple weeks ago. And when you left, you were like, I know that God has done some things. But there's still something else. There's still more. And some of you are, you're frustrated. You're stressed out. Your mind is beating you down. And the reason why is because you were expecting to find what you needed and you just obeying God. But sometimes what God is going to do comes when you learn the rest after you have obeyed the will of God. While Adam slept, not a shallow sleep, but a deep one. You ever went to sleep and you had so much stuff on your mind, couldn't really go to sleep. To fall into a deep sleep, you got to let some stuff go. Fall into a deep sleep, it's hard to, you ever slept somewhere uncomfortable? Brother Hurt don't like roaches. Straight up. I hate them. You, you saw you hear how I breathed on that. Almost lost my, my breath. <laughs> I hate them. I don't like sleeping somewhere and it stink. You ever got somewhere and it just feel like you just start itching? I was somewhere. One of my first revivals, I was in evangelist quarters. And there were, I went out to the kitchen. I went and got me some donuts. And I was like, I got these donuts, got these donuts. You know how you be kind of dancing when you got something you like? Like, hey. Got my donuts. I'm bringing it into the kitchen. And I turned.
turned the light on, and next thing you know, it was like five roaches posted on the table. And these wasn't like them little ones. These is like them gangster roaches. I promise you one of them had a desert eagle. I mean, these are some big ones. The kinds that fly. These weren't those little bitty, little bitty ones. These were one of them things. And like the roaches where I was from, if you turn the light on, they leave. You're like, you know, we're getting on up out of here, you know? <laughs> you know, at least they, they, they respect you. We, we, we know we ain't supposed to be here, man. We, we, just go on back, man. We just... <laughs> these roaches it was like light turned on it just stood there turned the light off turned it on it was like what's happening <laughs> the problem look look you, you can have the donuts. I'm good. I don't want no smoke. So I just left. I, I just left. I didn't even. I didn't even turn the light off. I just. I just left. And I went into the room. And I couldn't sleep because I kept the light on. I knew that roaches like to move in darkness. But they don't like to move in the light. So I kept the light on. Because I didn't want to get attacked in darkness. I didn't get any sleep in that revival. Because every time I'd go to sleep. I'd have a dream about a roach. Roaches that fly. Roaches that rode horses. <laughs> roaches that crip walk. <laughs> Couldn't get rest. Because my heart, my mind was filled with my surroundings. Couldn't get a peace of mind. It happened again when my wife came with me somewhere. She said, George, please turn the light. I was in Louisiana and the same thing happened. No, I was in bed and I felt something walking. Cross my chest. 
it was like burn, 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 burn. I mean, like it was just walking, like marching. We are soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up and I felt something and my wife was gone and I was like and I picked it up I was like what is this I picked it up and I threw it <laughs> and I heard it hit the wall it went Poof! it went ping and then next thing you know it had laminate floors and then it hit the wall and went ping and then, I was like oh god couldn't get no sleep in that revival because I couldn't let go of the fact I didn't know I was looking for the next thing to come see the thing is if you're going to see the plan of God come to pass you've got to rest The Bible says a deep sleep, amber alert. (laughs) Bible says a deep sleep came upon Adam. And when the deep sleep came, all of a sudden, God took something out of him. Church, if you're going to get God to take out of you, what he has put in you. You've got to learn how to rest. Why are you stressing? Why are you full of anxiety? Why are you worrying? Miracles aren't birth out of stress. They're birth out of rest. Eve was not, did not come forth out of stress she came forth out of rest Job's captivity did not turn because he was stressing sometimes we want God to see our stress when God wants to see you rest because rest is a testimony of comfort Rest is a testimony of trust. But when you go into a deep sleep, that means he moves, he feels that rest is more important than not getting what he wants. He is content. The Bible says godliness with contentment. It's great game. And all of a sudden, while he's content, out of contentment, a deep place of contentment, God wants to bring you to a deep place of contentment. My sister, God wants to bring you to a deep place of contentment. My brother. And if you will be content, all of a sudden,
you're going to wake up. And what he put in you will be standing right in front of you. Would you lift your hands? I want you to say, Lord, teach me how to be content. I know you want it now. But will you be content if God wants it later? I know you want it now. But to produce it now is to be content if God says I want it later. Things happen now when you are content if God says, I'll do it later. God takes that man and takes a bone out of him. Forms this woman. Then God says, he wakes the man up and says that he brought her unto the man. It's amazing that before God brought what was most important, he brought what was least important. Sometimes God will bring the smaller things that look like bigger things to see what you'll call it. Why? Because if you call it the wrong thing, then you'll call the plan of God for your life the wrong thing. You will call what is going to be used as a vehicle and a tool to help you to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue. You're going to call that vessel. You're going to call that vehicle. You're going to call that tool the wrong thing. Bible says that when God put him to sleep, took the rib out, made the woman, and brought him to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of the man. Church, there's some things that God's going to take out of you 
that are going to work for you. There's some things that God is going to take out of you. There's some promises that are in you. There's some things that he has spoken. But what are you saying, Brother Hurt? I'm saying that it has to come out. And you're going to rest. So what am I saying? This morning, there are miracles in this house. There's healing in this house. There's deliverance in this house. But sometimes we become so impatient that we don't know how to keep a peace of mind. And the only thing that matters is what we is what we want. And what ceases to matter is who wants us. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Do you want God more than you want your healing? Do you want God more than you want this natural, tangible thing? Do you want God more than you want your ministry? Do you want God more than you want revival? Do you want him? Why? Because Adam would not have been able to get to this point if he wasn't faithful in his previous appointments. I know how much you want him based upon your faithfulness to your appointments when he calls you to pray. If you don't value that time of prayer in the morning when he calls you, he'll get old to you in eternity. But if you'll value him, if you will put him first, there's going to be a peace. And I believe I feel peace in this house right now. Right now, if you're battling stress, anxiety, depression, I want you to repent of it and I want you to release that right now. I want you to let it all go. I want you to say, Lord, I, I surrender this thing. I don't want to call big things small things. And I want to call small things big things. I want to call them what you call them. I want to see them like you see them. You've got sin in your life. The way you're going to come out is you've got to let the Lord in your life. You want to come out of this place You've got to let him in your place. I want more of you, God. I was created to serve you. I was created 
for relationship with you. I was created to worship you. I was created to bring you glory. And I know that restoration is happening in my life. When God is getting the glory in every area of my life. I want to yield all areas of my life to God that it may bring forth his glory. I want you, God. My time here is temporary, but my relationship is eternal. I'm thirsty for you. There's somebody in this house this morning that you lost your thirst, you lost your hunger. But now you're starting to feel those hunger pains again. You're starting to thirst again. Desires for God that you hadn't had before in a long time are starting to return unto you again. God wants to visit you. God wants to refill you. God wants to refresh you. God wants to fill you. The Bible says, Them that thirst and hunger after righteousness shall be filled. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. I lift it up. Somebody in this house needs to let God feel you with his spirit. Somebody in this house needs to let God feel you with his presence. Somebody in this house needs to let God fill you with his peace, fill you with his mind, fill you with his joy, fill you with his fruit. Is there somebody in this room that says, Lord, I want you to do something in me. God, I am going to be content. And through contentment, I can rule. Through contentment, I can reign. Through contentment, I can give birth. Through contentment. Come on. There's authority in your contentment. Come on, in the name of Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. I want to serve you, God. If your life is all off course, if your world is off course, I'm going to tell you how to get back on course. You got to return to the master. You got to return to the master. You've got to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. I want to do it the way that you're calling me to do it. Not the way that I want to do it. 
faithfulness. I'm not going to magnify the moment. I'm going to magnify the God in every moment. I'm not going to magnify the season. I'm going to magnify God in every season. I'm not going to magnify the problem. I'm going to magnify God in every problem. I'm not going to magnify the blessing. I'm going to magnify God in every blessing. I'm going to exalt him. And then when that begins to happen, things begin to fall off. Things begin to break off. Things begin to fall off. You begin to step into a flow. Bible says, he who believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I know you believe, but is it the way the scripture has said? You got to be content in what the scripture has said. You've got to rest in what the scripture has said. You've got to let what the scriptures say persuade you more than what the enemy is saying, what circumstance is saying, what life is saying. I trust you, God. If you're ready to surrender all and come walk with God. You're ready to surrender your life completely to God. Your will, your heart, your ways completely to God. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm ready to surrender I surrender all to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not about my mother. It's not about my father. It's not about my sister, my brother, my husband, my wife, my girlfriend, my boyfriend. It's not about none of them. It's about you, oh God. It's all about you. It's always been about you. It's never been about me it's about you I'm just a sojourner traveling through a strange land this world is not my home the home you lost is not your home the place where things die is not your home. Everything in this world was meant to be here temporarily. Nothing that has been created in this world has been meant to be here forever. This all shall pass away. And when it is over with and done, you're going to be standing upon the word of God. He said, heaven and earth will pass away. He said, but my word will always stand. What you need more than anything is you need to obey the word of God.
If you can obey the word of God, you can stand forever. Even throughout eternity. You obey the word of God, you can live forever. Even throughout eternity. There's somebody in this room this morning that wants nothing less, nothing more than the word that God has for your life to be fulfilled. If you'll do that, God will baptize you in the Holy Ghost. You've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You never talked in tongues. The Bible says you have not the Spirit of God. You're none of His. But the Bible says in the last days, He said, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. You want the Holy Ghost. If you've never talked in tongues, but you want them today, I want you to raise your hands and I want you to raise it very high. Never talked in tongues before, but you want it today. Keep it lifted. Keep it lifted. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. You that have your hand lifted, step out to the aisle. Step out to the aisle. You don't have to come down, just step out in the aisle. Have you been baptized? Where? What church? Okay. If you have been baptized, you're going to need to be baptized again. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you've been baptized before, if you were baptized once, but it was in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you need to be rebaptized. Once again, that is a traditional formula but not a biblical one. Tradition may be able to get you membership into a local congregation. But God's not looking for a local congregation membership. He's looking for kingdom citizenship. You got to be born again of water and of the spirit. The name must be spoken in order for your sins to be remitted. In this church this morning, If you've never been baptized, sister, were you baptized? Where were you baptized? Huh? They baptized you in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You need to be rebaptized again in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. She was baptized here? All right, all right, praise God. Anybody in this room, you've never been baptized before, and you're ready to come walk with God, get your sins removed, come live a godly lifestyle, get to know God. You're ready to come walk with him and serve him.
You need your sins removed. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to do that, I want you to raise your hands. If you've never been baptized, other than the one I've already talked to, you've never been baptized, but you're ready to do it today, I want you to raise your hands, raise it high. Those that, my brother, you could head to the back. Sister Spriggs has her hands lifted. Wave your hands. Go to the back. Sister, they're going to pray you through to the Holy Ghost in the back. My sister with the blue skirt on, just head to the back. My brother, head to the back. You want the Holy Spirit, my friend? You can head to the back. Come on. Hallelujah. Heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. It's about surrenderance. Submission to the will and the plan of God. My sister with the blue dress on, I want you to raise your hands. With the blue dress, with the pink, with the Afro puff. Huh? Oh, my bad. It's blended. It's kind of hard to see from back here. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to raise your hands. All right. Raise it high. I want you to say, God, not my will, but your perfect will be done. My sister, sometimes obeying the voice of God Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. He said, but I came to bring a sword. And sometimes bringing the sword will make you feel like you're having to choose between people and God. Sometimes people are making their own choices by choosing what side of the sword they're going to be on. The word of God, when you submit yourself to the word of God, you've got to get used to people walking away. But if you try to hold on to what tries to leave, you'll miss the will and the plan of God for your life. You're more fearful of losing than you're more appreciative of gaining. I want you to trust the process of God for your life. And in doing that, what you're going to do is you're going to let God, you're going to say, Lord, I trust you. It is amazing that sometimes people have a way of intimidating. But if you'll trust God and say, Lord, listen, I don't know who you are, but you let people control you. By what they say. They, they say things to your heart. 
that is opposite of what you're actually are feeling. And it's like to gain the response out of you. And all it is is a form of manipulation. They're manipulating you. You can never please them. But you become a slave to trying to do what is impossible for you to do. They want you to make them your God. The scripture says, Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Him only should you serve. Sister, in this life, there's only one God you've got to serve. And that is Jesus. And if you will do that, if you will do that, if you will, if you don't succeed at anything, that you succeed in pleasing God, nothing else in this world matters. I'm telling you that God wants to get you out of this trap that you're in. But you're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to submit and have to trust God. And if you do that, God's going to give you beauty for ashes. You want that? So lift your hands right now. Begin to worship God. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for my sister, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for healing. You don't ever have to worry about compromising. Church, all you got to do is just keep walking, keep surrendering, keep submitting, and watch God begin to work. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Just because people don't value what God is doing in your heart and in your life doesn't mean that you've got to minimize. That's it, sister. You don't have to minimize what God is doing. God has been good to you. Come on, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Come on, somebody. That's it. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to get my deliverance tonight. There's a spirit of restoration upon you right now, my sister. In the name of Jesus, you're going to let God work. Come on. You're going to let him have his way. Oh, God. Come on. That's it. In the name of Jesus. That's not just a word for her, but that's a word for a few other people that are in this house right now. Come on, because sometimes the adversary can bring a sword. Sometimes a sword can fall right in the middle of your house. It can fall right in the middle of friendships. It can fall right in the middle of relationships. But if you will esteem the voice of God above all relationships, God knows how to bring order to every relationship in your life. When you prioritize your relationship with God, God first. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to do it. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, there you go. Victory. You can either call this season defeat 
or you can call this season victory. You can either stand from the position of what you see or you can stand from the position of what you hear. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. You got to understand, church, you're either going to walk by what you see or you're going to walk by faith. The just shall live by her faith. Hallelujah. You can get your sins washed away today. You can get your deliverance today. You can get your restoration today. You might have failed God miserably yesterday. And you can get the victory today. Victory is not in where you failed. Victory is in his name. You hear me? Victory is not in where you failed at. Victory is in his name. Victory is in his resurrection. You've got to walk and the resurrecting power of God. Let God revisit you. Let God refill you. Let God renew you. Let God restore you. Let God heal you. Let God refresh you. You in the black, raise your hands. Have I prayed for you? Would you raise your hands? I saw you make it. You had to make a bold step of faith. And I saw you had to move. I saw you had to move. I saw you had to literally get up and walk away for the sake of obeying the commandment of the Lord. Can I tell you Weeping may endure for a night. Joy is coming in the morning. Abraham had to leave his father's house to pursue a city whose builder and maker was God. I hear people in the wind talking about you. Because if anybody that was set for success, it was you. But you're living in a lower place than what people expected for you. You are embarrassed and you are afraid to even go out and be seen. Because you are embarrassed in the season that you're in right now. Don't worry about make. Listen, while I'm praying with people, don't give them no tissue. 
you're fine. You're fine. I'm just, you're fine. I know that people do it from different churches, but please, when I'm here, don't give them no tissue. I think it's more of a distraction. They're crying. Their tears are a response to God. God put tears in them not to be blocked up, but for the flow. Let the tears flow, all right? You lift your hands. Don't give them a tissue. Let them pray. Encourage them to respond to God. There's some folks that ain't never cried before. Let the tears flow. He put them there for a purpose. Something happens when you cry out before the Lord. David said, I cried unto the Lord. And he heard me. Some things God's not going to hear if you don't cry. So don't, don't, I'm not mad at you. I'm not, she knows, all right. You got to make sure you really, really know I'm not mad. But sister, sometimes God will destroy a plan. to cause you to return back to the plan that he has prepared for you. Like I said, when God created creation, he already had a plan. Everything had already been put in place for the success of that man. It is iniquity when we go and try to do our own thing. But it's the grace and mercies of God. We're not consuming. God knows how to bring us back to his thing. After we failed at doing our own thing. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the victory that is in your name I thank you Lord for the peace that is in who you are Lord you declare that in this world we will have tribulation but in you we will have peace Lord we press into you this night in the name of Jesus by the power and the authority that is in the name of Jesus Lord God I pray Lord that you would give her the liberty Lord God to say no and to say yes in the name of Jesus Lord God I pray this day Lord God that you would help her to be comfortable in the will of God help her to be content in the name of Jesus and not allow this season to subtract from who you call her Lord in the name of Jesus this night Lord I pray that you would deliver her from the expectation of people and the things that she has placed upon herself about the walk in the liberty of God. I worship the Lord. I surrender all. I surrender all. Come on, is there somebody in this room that will surrender all? 
friend, can you lift your hands, the tall guy? Yes, sir. Raise your hands towards heaven. What is your name? Jeremy Robertson. Robertson. Brother Jeremy, raise your hands towards the Lord. God has put a hunger in you. God has put a hunger on the inside of you. I see you searching for the past seven years. There's been a search. There's been a there's been a search for more. And at times you have searched in the wrong places. You've dealt with a lot of experiences. I see a lot of different spirits that follow you. Your eyes have seen a lot. Your hands have done a lot. But God wants to bring structure. God wants to bring soundness to your mind. Because I've seen your exposure to things that has brought about a confusion. But God wants to do a work in you today. Can I tell you that you've opened up doors that God can close? And God wants to open up a door that no man can shut. I see you in a dark place. I saw you in a dark place. And it was like, it was just spirits. Something centered around music. And I saw dark spirits moving about this dark place. And I saw God come and speak to you in the midst of the confusion of your mind. And for that moment was able to bring clarity to you, a soundness to make a decision within your heart to want to come out. Just stretch your hands towards Brother Jeremy this day. In the name of Jesus, Lord, this day, God, I pray, I rebuke every dark thing, every dark thought, every evil spirit, every false way. In the name of Jesus that my brother has been exposed to, that has created all of these different thoughts and all of these different ideas. I rebuke those things tonight in the spirit that is connected to it. By the power and the authority that is in the name of Jesus. I command every high thing to come down this day. In the name of Jesus. I command a breakthrough to come upon them this hour. By the power and the authority that is in the name of Jesus. I speak healing. I speak closure. And I rebuke the spirit of humiliation that rests upon his heart this night. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. I speak breakthrough by Sokoba.
I said, my brother, go ahead. In the name of Jesus, I speak breakthrough. Hallelujah. Brother Jeremy, how often do you pray? Daily. How often do you pray in tongues, Jeremy? Something you don't really practice. Have you ever? That's what, that's what I'm talking about is that there's false things that you have come in contact with. And I'm not saying you haven't came in contact with God. But this is where the confusion lies. It's because you've had so many different kinds of experiences. Some God and some not. That it is challenging to know what is God and what is not. But I'm telling you this morning that if you will obey, the Bible says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water in order to get it in your belly. You've got to get in the scriptures. You've got to believe on him as the scripture has said. To have the flow you can't have flow without scripture. And I'm telling you that it is time to go beyond your practice and step into his plan. Have you been baptized? Okay. Good. God would you let God fill you with the Holy Ghost today when that happens you will talk in tongues I don't want you to stay in the things you've practiced I want you to walk in the things God has planned. Would you lift your hands? I want you to say, God, I want your perfect plan for my life. In Jesus' name. This is what I want you to do, Jeremy. I want you I want you to I heard someone say a long time ago, they said a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I want you to take a step at a time. I want you to be consistent. When something is taught here, when something is preached here, do it. 
You gain revelation through obedience. Some things you're not going to get the revelation through just because you try to cognitively understand it. It's when you obey that God will release the revelation. All right? You want the Holy Ghost? My friend, take him to the back. I'm going to pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to say, I'm going to trust God. My sister on the front row. the red hair just stand up what is your name Janet what's your name I can't hear Perrin just stand up Perrin you guys know each other alright God wants to give you a new mind Sometimes experience, some people say experience is the best teachers, but sometimes it's the worst. Because sometimes our experiences can alter our perception of what we think God is or who God is or how God is operating. There's some things that we never should have experienced. There are people in this room today that have been delivered of all kind of things and they probably would not have gotten into certain things if it had not have been for experiences. My sister right there with the blonde hair, with the blue jean jacket, stand up. I want you to raise your hands. There's something that hovers over you. There's something that follows. And it comes by way of experiences. You have learned how to build this thing, to build what you want people to see. Even when God sees what he sees. I want to tell you something. God is not done. You cannot fix your problems you cannot fix yourself God can though and in order to do that you've got to surrender the strong will
and not be afraid of God molding you into who he wants instead of resisting what you think he wants. The thing is, is that you have this perception in mind that actually brings about a confusion on your part because you are convinced that God is going to do something this way when God has a whole other way of doing it. There's a void in your heart. And what you have built, you've built it to try to fill the void. But if you will surrender all to God, God will fill all space. Just stretch your hands towards our sister. I know you're nervous a little bit. In the name of Jesus, I don't want you to be nervous. I want you to look up towards heaven. I want you to say, Jesus, I want your will to be done in my life. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that your perfect will would be done in our life, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself more than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Don't think so much. Trust more and think less. All right? Let God think for you and watch him move. Now, Experience can be the worst teacher. You can be well. You can stand and be seated. Don't matter. She's like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm sitting down." <laughs> Sometimes experience can be the worst teacher. Because one thing about experiences is that I've seen experience, and this right here speaks. Does not that it does speak to both of you but this speaks even greater to you experiences have a way of trapping us where we can't really move forward because of the experience the experience hijacks our future and it's like our mindset everything it, it stops I've seen it where Let's say, for instance, something happened in 1995 that disrupts your whole world. And then after that, it's like people are, everybody else at the moment, they're kind of like, man, we're so sorry to hear what's going on. And, 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 and you're trying to live. But the experience, the pain, the, the, the trauma, is so strong that it actually, like, there's a part of you that doesn't want to live. Kind of, you, you, you want what you had before the experience. 
But now what happens is you don't want is you're not wanting to move on. You're wanting to get what you've got or what you had before the trauma came. So then what happens is because you can't get that, you just become numb. And you never really truly embrace, but you just become numb to the situation. And my sister with the blue sweatshirt, there's a numbness that God wants to take off of you. And really calls you to live. Not just live again, but I'm talking about living the way you've never lived. I'm talking about living completely in him. See, the thing is, when something dies, something dies in us. And if we're ever going to live, sometimes you can't live what they call live again, but sometimes you can live in him. And when you live in him, it goes beyond just living again. And this day, What I want you to do is I want you to surrender your will to the master's will. You know, my sister, Jesus is the perfect antidepressant. The perfect one. when you have him and he gives you peace it is a past all understanding what you need is peace how often do you pray said every day how often do you pray huh How often you pray in tongues? Huh? You never have? You never have? You have? Huh? What did you say? I know. What did you say? You're from the European? Turkey? You're from Turkey? Okay. Awesome. I've never been. I've eaten one before. <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost. You, you need the Holy Ghost. If you're going to get something you get never got before, sometimes you got to do something you've never done before. I suppose you've been baptized before because you pray. Where were you baptized? Catholic Church. They sprinkled you. How about you? Pastor who? Presbyterian Church. Okay. I want to tell you something. God has more. 
I'm telling you. You ever said, man, if I would have known that when I was about 15 years old, life would have probably been a whole lot different. There's some things that I'm like, man, if I would have known then what I know now, there's some folk I would not have, I would have just been like, people would have pulled up, hey, what's happening? I would have been like, I'm good. <laughs> if I could get back into, if I could go to a back to the future car, I'd be like, man, we're good, we're good, we're good. But I can't. Listen. If you could have gotten what God's going to give you today, 15, 20, 30 years ago, life would be way different now. But it didn't happen. But it can change the next 15, 20, 30 years of your life today. If you get today what you wish you could have got 15, 20 years ago. Why? Because once you get it today, you're going to wish you would have got it years ago, but you're going to thank God that he did it today. Amen. I believe. I know. And there's more. Sometimes you come to the seasons in your life and your walk with God. There was a person in the scripture. He was a man that prayed all the time. Devout man. The scripture says his prayers came up as a memorial before God one day. God sent the man to go specifically to him. Man wasn't at a church service like this one. God told the man, he said, I want you to go to his house. Why? Because this man had a relationship so tough that God sent the man of God to his address. Say, hey, the Lord said that basically he'd been talking to you for years and you've been talking to him for years and your prayers have come up as a memorial before him. So now there's something he's telling you to do. So the thing is, if you know anything about relationship with God, God's going to tell you to do some things. And if you're going to have a good relationship, you obey him. Everybody knows that. You want to have a bad relationship with God, just disobey him. He said, I, he said, I call you friends as long as you do what I tell you to do. In order for a person to be a friend of God, we obey him. And the closer we get, the longer we live, the more we realize, like, he's always telling me something to do. 
I've learned I need God even more today than I did years ago. And the more I learn about God, the more I find out I don't know all about God. It's always more. And I like it that way because I could never find them, figure them out. I just trust them, and when I obey them, there's something that happens. You've got to get your sins washed. See, anyone like yourself that's going to have a relationship with God, he's going to bring you to water. Not just for the sake of tradition, but for the scripture's sake. I'm going to tell you to wash. I know as a child you might have got sprinkled with water, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your prayer life is more biblical than a tradition. That's more spiritual than a tradition. And what I was telling you, you need to wash. What I mean by that, that's not going into the house and hopping in the shower. That's going down in water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ by submersion for the remission of sins and then letting God fill you with the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking with other tongues relationship will always require more out of you sister you want to obey God today Well, you need to be baptized again, as the scripture has said. You need the Holy Ghost, just like the scripture has said. We can't obey God the way we want. Obedience is the way that he wants. And if you want that, we've got water, we've got clothes. We'll baptize you. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost today. You want that? You want it? Sister Spriggs, turn around. See that lady waving her hand? She's waiting for you. You can go to the back. Everybody put your hands together and worship the Lord. Everybody put your hands together and worship the Lord. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Lord says, Suffer not a witch to live. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. 
I want you to say, God, if there's any witchcraft in my life, I want it gone. Witchcraft that is within and the witchcraft that is without. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Oftentimes we focus on the witchcraft that is without. And we never deal with the kind that is within. I don't want to walk in rebellion. I want to walk in submission to the Holy Ghost. I am telling you the importance of making sure that you've got the right people in your life. I've seen it where people are angry when the one that they're influencing has control over wants to surrender their life to God so they will do whatever it is possible to maintain that influence. I want you to pray and say, God, is there anybody in my life that I have a relationship with that is controlling me like a witch? Why? Because I'm going to tell you something. There are people that the enemy plants in your life sometimes to make sure that you don't get close to God. And you have a responsibility to identify those. And don't be surprised that sometimes it may be someone closer to you than what you think. When that happens, separate yourself and follow God and watch God move.